Okay, all of our uh, bands here at Real Life are great every Sunday morning, but uh, that band was fantastic this morning. Uh, Ashton, come here. We've had a lot of technical problems this morning, a myriad of them, and I think we fixed almost all of them, maybe not everyone. But here's the problem. Ashton turned 21 this week, and he showed up a hungover. So, <laughs> no, he didn't even drink on his train for his birthday. But finally, he's an adult. He's been this little kid running around that we've employed. But now you can treat him as a full-grown adult. Uh, um, so congratulations. Good luck with whatever happens in the next uh, 40 minutes. All right, thank you, Ashton. All right, uh, yeah, we're in our second week of gratefulness. And this one's a hard one. Because it's easy to be grateful when you look back. Look what God did. Or in the middle of something like, man, my life is great. God's good. I'm so thankful. But what do you do when life's not good? And how do you be grateful in the middle of that? At Connection Team meeting this week, uh, our leader, Sarah Barnes, had us do a little exercise. Her words, not mine. Um, Give us a a crappy and a happy uh, that you're thankful for. That you thought it was bad, but it turned out good. Like it can be both, right? You can go, bad can, uh, so I thought, I hate stuff like this. And then I thought, I got something. So uh, as you know, I went to New Orleans a couple weeks ago with my best friend, uh, Huey, from seventh grade. Um, Huey's, I don't know how to describe him. He listens every week. Um, He's like a big, red, fluffy, intolerant person. Um, There's only one way, he only sees life one way. There's only one way to do things, and so we, we do this all the time, and we're, we're, we're best buddies. So he, um, I'll catch you up, he, because I did his daughter's wedding in June, he paid for the whole trip, the fishing trip to Louisiana, all right? And, oh, he was such a good guy. He really not. Uh, so he paid for the whole thing, so you think I'd be more grateful, right? So... Uh, I noticed our travel schedule, and we get on the plane in Boise, and um, it's just a quick jaunt down to Phoenix, so we're going to go to Phoenix to New Orleans. That's okay. I look, and it's like a six-hour layover in Phoenix. And I'm like, Hilly, what are you doing? What do you, what do you mean? I said, we're, what are we going to do for six hours in Phoenix? He's like, we're not, we don't have a layover. I, he says, that's five and a half hours. I said, come on. We got here early. We have six hours. Who planned these things? You know, well, I just always fly southwest and everything. And I said, I did something like, you idiot, or something like that. Okay, that's just love talk between the two of us, right? And like, like, this is so dumb. Well, then I realized before we take off, my daughter lives in Phoenix. Uh, so little Libby drove to the airport, picked Huey and I up, took us to breakfast. In Phoenix, with it's in um, November, October, it's always sunny with a high of 75. It's just gorgeous weather. We had the best breakfast. I had one of the best conversations and discussion with my youngest daughter that I've had in a long time. I don't see her near enough. And so when, after about an hour and a half or two hours or so, when she dropped us back at the hotel and we went to, still sat there for three more hours and uh, got on a plane, I thought, I was so full of goodness that I got to spend time with my daughter. That's a simple one, right? Like, this is so stupid. Huey, that, what, what? And it turned out to, it was a crappy to a happy. That's an easy one. 
when you're in the midst of something, what do you do? Let me catch up where we were last week, all right? Uh, there's benefits to gratitude. And it's not just a pastor idea or a Bible idea or a God idea. It's all that. But even psychology today and all kinds of research tells us that being a grateful person has great benefits. Let me show you some. Uh, first of all, that, uh, you have more and better relationships. Uh, your physical health is better when you're grateful. Your psychological health is better when you're grateful. Uh, it enhances your empathy for other people. Like when you're grateful, you can look around and, and tune into what's going on with other people. You sleep better when you're grateful. Isn't that true? When you go to bed like with a full heart, you sleep better. Um, it improves your self-esteem. They did this research with like elite athletes. Athletes who are grateful and thankful perform better because they feel better about themselves. And it increases your mental strength. That um, one of the key factors of people who we're surviving 911 and the disaster and losing loved ones. One of the key things uh, with dealing with PTSD and all that stuff in this one research study was people who were grateful and thankful. So there's a benefit. It's not just it's November and we're leading into Thanksgiving Day, so let's talk about gratefulness. There's really benefits to it, all right? But I think that gratefulness was God's idea first. That uh, uh, through the Old Testament, constantly it's like, hey, don't forget don't forget to remember the goodness of God. There's all kinds of verses in the, in the New Testament that say, be thankful. So what we talked about last week is three things. We tried to make them uh, short and simple so we could remember. First of all, that the good's from God. Everything that happens in your life that's good is from God. Anything that's not illegal or immoral that you enjoy, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, says that's a gift from God. It comes down streaming from heaven, and it's a gift to you. Anything that's enjoyable, yeah, that's God. Two, future want is a present ripoff. If you're always living over there, you're going to miss here. If you can't be grateful right here in this moment, again, in the midst of pain, it's difficult. That's why we're talking about it. But when you are always want more or, or it's not enough and you're over there, man, you're getting ripped off in the present. And the third thing we talked about was blessing produces pride or praise. You can take credit for the good stuff in your life, or you can thank God for the good stuff in your life. You, you can say, look what I did, or you can say, man, isn't God good that he led me to this place? Right? Now, there's this great verse in I just want to point, I just, no, you're fine. I just want to point out Grandpa Ken take care of the baby. Ken, aren't you grateful for your, your granddaughter? I know this kid's crying. I bet you Ken's grateful that he has a granddaughter. And I bet you Allie's grateful she has a dad that will take the baby out. Uh, where were we before Briar interrupted me? Uh, listen, here's a verse. Hated this verse growing up in a pastor's household. They use it all the time on us. Rejoice always. Come on. Pray continually. That's not possible. And give thanks in all circumstances. That's stupid. My, my mom used to say it all the time. I, the world's falling apart. And you're supposed to rejoice always. Pray continually. That's not, or give thanks in all circumstances. Why? 
Paul says, Paul, who was a persecutor of Christians, didn't even like Jesus, then became a follower of him, took the teachings of Jesus, tried to apply them for people to live out, and wrote letters to say, here's how to live out the teachings of Jesus. Paul says, because that's what God wants from you. That is the will of God in your life, and it comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So to get the most out of life, you should rejoice all the time, pray continually, and figure out a way to give thanks in all situations. Not for all situations. That's, that's uh, mental upset. When you're like, oh, I'm so grateful I'm going through this pain. But there's a way to not just be thankful for it, but be thankful during it. So that's what we want to spend the rest of our time. How, how is there gratitude in pain? Let's talk about painful gratitude. Now, we're going to return to the same encounter Jesus had that we talked about last week. We're going to talk about this week and the next couple of weeks as well. So let me just read you the story as Luke brings it to us. Luke wasn't there when this happened, but his buddies were. And Luke researched this whole thing, interviewed a bunch of people, and then wrote it all down. So Luke, Luke tells us exactly what happened and, uh, from the eyewitnesses that were with Jesus. Jesus, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. We'll come back and break this down in just a second. But basically, Jesus is on a journey, and he has a very important appointment. Because he's headed to Jerusalem, where he's going to be arrested. He's going to be persecuted. He's going to willingly give his life uh, to die on the cross. And then he's going to rise again to prove he wasn't just some dude. That's his mission, and that's where he's going, and that's why he's headed there. He comes across these 10 guys who have leprosy. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud, loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They stood at a distance because that was the law, the religious law and the legal law, the public law. And Jesus sees them. When Jesus saw them, he said, go, y'all, all 10, go, show yourself to the priest and as they were going, as they went, as they were walking, before they even got to the priest, they were cleansed. Their leprosy left them. Jewish law said in order to be approved and be part of religious system and back in the public culture and mingle with everybody else, a priest had to say, yeah, you used to have leprosy. You used to have a skin condition. Now you don't. So that's why they're going to priest. Stay with me. One of them when he saw he was healed, before he even got to the priest, he saw he was healed, he didn't have leprosy anymore. He came back, praising God in a loud voice. I bet you it was loud. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. This guy came running back, falls on the ground, yelling and screaming in delight, at the feet of Jesus, and the dude that came back was the arch enemy of every Jewish person. The Samaritans were the enemies of the Jews, and that's the dude that comes back. Jesus says, again, he knows the answer. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Do we have that verse? I blame myself. Listen, I'll read it as if I'm a first grade teacher. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Like Jesus said, there were 10, right, y'all? And he's talking, he's not talking to the one that came back. He's talking to the audience around him. I thought I healed 10 and only one came back. 
And this one that came back is a foreigner. Uh, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then Jesus said, and we'll come back to this. He says to this guy that was healed, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Let me give you just some quick principles. Number one, you are not alone. You are not alone. I, I love it that uh, Luke says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men had leprosy met him. First of all, he's traveling in an area that nobody travels if you're Jewish. He decides to take the shortcut to Jerusalem. Most Jews took the long way around because they refused to go through Samaria because it was the arch enemy. But here's the thing. Get this now. There's 10 of them. Not just one dude calling out. They're not all by themselves. There's, they're surrounded by other people just like them. Maybe some of you need to hear this for the first time. Maybe you're sitting in the Brewster Middle School. Welcome, Brewster. And you need to know you are not alone. You're not all by yourself. If you're listening online, maybe you're home because you don't feel comfortable coming. That's okay. You're not, all, you're not alone. There are other people that are going through what you're going through or have, been what you've, have gone through what you are going through who understand. There's people just like you. You're not the first and you're not the last. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just saying the greatest thing, like when you show up to a 12-step program or to celebrate recovery, the greatest thing you realize the first time you're there is, hey, I'm not the only one who struggles. There's other people just like me. So first of all, wherever you're at in life, and if you're having a struggle being grateful because you're going through something, it's okay. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're tuning in. But you need to know you're not alone. You're like, okay. You got this one guy, and he's got nine friends, but they're all lepers. Yeah, but they're all together. You know what I'm saying? They're not all by themselves. I think it's better to be a leper with nine other people than just by yourself. Luke keeps going. Um, Jesus shows up when you least expect it. Right? Do we cover this first? There we go. So he can say it out with Tim, and this is what we find out next. Help is on the way. Not any of these guys, none of these 10 lepers, woke up that morning and said, I think this is our day. This is the day we stop being lepers. Not one of them. Not one of them thought, ah, I'm so happy to be alive. And, and I, I, we talked about last week that having leprosy, this isn't me just being cheeky. Having leprosy, you could wake up in the morning and find out that your thumb or your toe is gone because a rat ate it off, right? Because you don't feel it. Leprosy was just this horrific disease. It was a physically horrific disease, but it was a culturally horrific disease too. You were cast out. And there, at that time, there was no known cure. But help was on the way. Luke says, they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Their condition kept them at a distance from everybody. 
but from God too. The best they could do, the best they could do was just yell out to Jesus. And I, I'm betting they yelled out to everybody that walked by. But maybe the reputation of Jesus, maybe someone said, hey, this dude's coming. He's done some weird things in different places. And they're like, what do we got to lose? Let's yell out. Let's ask for pity from this guy. At worst, maybe he'll give us some cash. Listen, this might be your day. I'm praying it is. And maybe you've needed a day for months, years. Maybe this is it. Maybe tomorrow's your day. But listen, at some point, you've got to make your need known. You're going to have to yell out. I'd start with Jesus. Whatever you're in the midst of, whatever you're going through, you gotta, you got to let it be known. You're like, ah, I don't want people to know what I'm going through. Don't get on Facebook and let it be known. Maybe you've got a close friend you trust. Let your need know, be known. Let Jesus know your, your need. You, at some point, you've got to cry out to get help. Here's what they find out. God cares. And God's in control. When Jesus saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus had a plan. God has a plan. I know, I know, I know it sounds like pastor talk. I know it's like, hey, baldy preacher boy, that's all, that's good for you. That's fine. But some of you, maybe who are my age and older, could stand up and tell your story, right? When you thought all was lost. When you didn't have any hope. When the only thing you had left was Jesus. And that was your day. You could tell your story. Now, some of the youngins are like, because nah. a lot of us, right? A lot of us, even us old people, a lot of us ask God for something. We cried out. We made our need known. He didn't come through. And we like, I'm done. And maybe some of you are just coming back for the first time since that moment. Maybe some of you are just tuning in for the first time. God cares. God's at work in your life, even when you can't see it. I know that sounds simple. It's just true. It's throughout the Bible. It's throughout my life. I'm in the middle of something like, what is going on here? God, what are you doing? Um, I remember when, we, when I was uh, 12, uh, I lived here in... Uh, in Chelan from second grade to seventh grade. Middle seventh grade, we moved. The number of reasons we moved. One is my dad got an offer from a church in Boise. The other thing is I was close to being arrested if we didn't get out of here. You laugh, but those of you who've been around me know that's almost true. Because I was a bad kid. Right? I was breaking into houses. I was stealing stuff from Western Auto. I, I, was, I, was, I was a bad kid. Um, those are the only things I would share with you. I got, I got a long list of them. So my dad says, we're moving. And I said, no, I'm not. He said, well, Kyle, if you don't move with us, you know, the joiners aren't going to take you. They already told us uh, they're not going to have you. So you got to come with us. I didn't. Come on, moving in middle school? Have you ever done it? It's horrible. I remember moving down to, to Boise and just... Seventh grade, I'm laying in my water bed listening to the Eagles' new kid in town and just so sad. <laughs> you guys are jerks. I was sad. <laughs> Crying in a water bed is a, yeah, it's the most pathetic thing. I was, I was just like, ah. 
you know what? Moving to Boise as a seventh grader was the best thing that ever happened to me. I was on a course. You're like, seventh grade? Yeah, I was on a bad course. Listen, if I hadn't moved to Boise, I would have never met the love of my life. My best friend Huey from seventh grade. <laughs> that is funny. No, I never would have met Darlene, the lovely Darlene. I met her in high school. I never would have been part of Nampa Christian Home of the Trojans. I'm so proud to be that. Then I graduated, go down to school at Biola, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm away from everybody. What is God doing here? I don't know anybody. What my, my, my parents drove away, and I thought, what am I doing down here? Best thing that ever happened to me. My parents divorced my sophomore year in college. I can't tell you how, what a horrible moment that was for our family. Some, a lot of you, some of you have been touched by divorce. It's, not, it's just horrible. For us, I thought we had this perfect family, and it just all blew up like that. And I remember thinking, God, what are you doing? I'd love to go back and change it. But the fact is, once my parents divorced, you, I, all I had left was Jesus. The lovely Darlene broke up with me the same weekend. Yeah, she's not so great anymore, is she? <laughs> My buddy Huey never broke up with me. It was horrible. All I had, listen, I look back in those times. I was just telling someone this week. I wish all the lessons in life could be learned by going through great things. You eat a dozen Krispy Kremes and you learn a great lesson. All the great lessons in life come through pain, at least for me. I can look back and be grateful. I didn't understand at the moment. But maybe God is at work behind the scenes doing something. And we just don't see it. And some of you need to hear, and I say this all the time, that I'll, if you're going through something and it's just pain and you're struggling, listen, God's got a purpose. God's working it out. There's something better coming. And I'll believe that for the both of us till you're ready to believe that. A few months ago, someone came along and said that to me. Thought, what? That's not your job. That's my job. But I need to hear it. I know you don't believe it, Kyle, but I'll believe for the both of us till you believe it. God's at work in doing something. If you don't know God yet, just trust me. He has been moving in your life. You showed up here. You tuned in. It's not by accident. You're sitting in the middle school in Brewster. God's doing something. Listen. We look at hope. When we talk about hope, it's like, um, I hope he asked me to homecoming. I hope I get a race. And we like, I just cross my fingers and hope something good comes of it. I hope the Seahawks win in Germany. Wait, anyone taping it and don't want to know the outcome? Yeah, I don't know what happened then. But Geno Smith fumbled and we lost the game. So it's not like it's the Dolphins or a team we care about, all right? Uh, it, the Seahawks. Um, where was I? But so we talk about hope, like hope, hope, like, like it's a wish, like blowing out the candles. But when the Bible talks about hope, hope is a desire for a future outcome that is absolutely certain. 
You can have hope tomorrow, hope a week from now, hope in years to come. Because God is there tomorrow, a week from now, and years to come. God's in your future. God's sitting there waiting for you. God has it planned out. Read the end of the book. Go to the end of the Bible. God wins. So whatever's going on in our society, if you look at our, our, our nation, it's never been more 50-50. Look at this last election. Like, oh, we're so divided. We don't have to be divided. We just have different opinions. But even if we are, God has that worked out. You're going through a bad relationship. Something's going wrong. You're going through a health crisis, and it's super hard. I'm not diminishing that at all. I'm saying that God is with you in the midst of that, and he'll be there tomorrow with you as well. Hope isn't a wish when it comes with God. Hope is a knowledge that what's going to happen in the future is going to be okay because God's going to be there too. Uh, a few years ago, uh, Toby Mack, anyone? Toby Mack was with DC Talk in the late 80s. Uh, who's with me back in the early Christian music days? You got to be down with the, D- down with the DC Talk. God is doing it. Anyone? God is doing a new thing. Yeah, uh, I was pretty hip. Had a mustache. That was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, he was with... DC Talk, they put out Jesus Freak, it was one of the greatest albums of all time. Then he went out on his own and became, I don't know the difference between rap and hip-hop. I can dance to both of them on TikTok, but I, I, don't, know, I, don't, I don't know the difference. So, Toby Mac is arguably probably the most popular Christian artist of all time. You can argue with me, but he's got a ton of records and everything. Just a couple years ago, his son dies, age 21. Uh, looked like an accidental overdose of drugs. The kid struggled a little bit. Um, you're like, okay, Toby, now what are you going to do? So he puts out this statement, and it was everywhere. CNN, Fox, everyone covered this statement. And this is what he said. My wife and I would want the world to know this. We don't follow God because we have some sort of under-the-table deal with him, like we'll follow you if you bless us. We follow God because we love him. God is the God of the hills, and he's the God of the valleys. That even when life is horrible, God's still doing his thing. I can't imagine the pain of losing a child. But God didn't stop loving him when that happened. And they didn't stop following God. I think a lot of times we think being a Christian or being a follower of Jesus, if you're standing at a distance and watching Christians, we like, God, give us what we want. And we take and run with it. And we're all happy and we do our own thing until, uh-oh, we lost a thing. Let's go back. We need to get another thing from God. Oh, look at me. I'm happy. I'm doing my thing. But when things go south or things not going the way we want, God stops being that vending machine that we get good stuff and stuff we want all the time, and then we, like, give up on them. I think what we find out with the story of the, the lepers is there's more than that. That not just healing of the leprosy, the guy finds out that there's ultimate healing. Ultimate healing is available. I love this. Jesus says, I, I, Jesus says we're, we're not all ten cleansed, you guys. Where's the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? There were 10, only one came back. And then he says this. And listen, I have been in Christianity all my life. I was born when my dad was in seminary. My grandpa was a pastor. 
I say this all the time. I'm a professional Christian. My dad was a pastor all, all my growing up life. I went to Christian school. I went to Christian college. I've worked in churches all my life. I'm, this is just what I do. I never understood or saw this before. After hearing this story and, sing, and, and, and reading this story and preaching this thing, Jesus says, rise up and go. Your faith has made you well. You're like, that's stupid. He's already healed. Jesus isn't talking about a healing. When Jesus says, your faith has made you well, he's saying, your faith, your return, your gratitude has made you whole. The fact that you came back, well equals whole. Uh, the fact that you came back and you realize there's more than just getting stuff that you want from Jesus. There's a relationship that happens. That being grateful, being thankful builds relationship. So Jesus says, hey, come on, get up. He, the, guy, the dude's on the ground, on his feet, praising God. He says, he says, get off the ground, get up. Your faith has made you well. All right? Now, not sure why we skipped ahead, but let's go back a little bit. There we, thank you. Let's go to well equals whole. All right? Listen, Jesus is saying to this guy, your skin condition is one thing. Your sin condition is quite another. No one likes to talk about this. No one digs talking about leprosy either. Like, the rest of them, like, the other nine, they're like, yeah, look at me. My skin condition is cleared up. Look at me. Yeah, they still were at a distance from God, though. Because their sin condition keeps you from God. Your sin condition keeps a huge gap. This dude comes running back. His skin condition's healed. But now he's made well because of his faith that comes through Jesus. And now his sin condition is wiped out. What, the dude, the dude quit sinning? No, he was a horrible sinner. But the payment, the consequence of a sin, was just going to be paid a few weeks later when Jesus shows up to Jerusalem and gives his life on the cross for that leper's sin condition and yours as well. And he comes running back and says, I know there's more, Jesus. I know there's more than just a healing. So what do we do? Uh, I'm going to give you some next steps. Uh, every Sunday we have uh, these blue cards, and I talk about them every Sunday because they're super important. That's how you communicate with us. Listen, there's a, a newcomers event coming up. We've been doing a lot of them since Sarah Barnes took control and formed the connection team. Uh, we do these newcomers events. Many of you have gone uh, over the last year and a half or so. There's another one coming up next Sunday. We would love, if you feel new, all right, to real life, whether you're in Brewster, you can come down. Maybe, sorry, Bill, but maybe come down for the service next Sunday from Brewster, hang out with us, and then come to the newcomers event at noon. That it's out at um, Succession Winery. Did I say that right? I didn't. Radiance? Uh, some of you alcoholics, you all know all the uh, wineries. Yeah, I'm alphabetically, you know, I, I, that's a joke. Um, Radiance, downtown Manson, all right? Uh, starts at noon, just show up. We'll feed you. you. You can have a little adult beverage if you want. You don't have to. We'll, you'll meet the staff. We'll present who we are, what we are, why we do what we do. And it's a fun time, all right? If you want to be part of that, you can get online on the app or you can get online uh, on our website or 
even if you could fill out on the blue card, I want to come, how do I sign up? And we'll get a hold of you. Sarah will get a hold of you. All right? So we invite you to, to be part of that. Also, on the, net, on the blue cards are next steps, because we want you to say, here's what I'm working on. You can turn those in, in in the box in the back. We'll pray for you. We'll follow up with you. We'll do whatever you need to with that. If you have a prayer request, also. But we also want you to have a place to write down and remember a next step, because we hate that you would show up, listen, and just leave. What a waste of time that is. We want this to be active in doing something, okay? So, uh, first step, get up and do something. I know it sounds insensitive, but if you're in the middle of something, and you're in the middle of pain, and you're really struggling, and you're like, I'm not grateful. In fact, I'm almost depressed. I I don't see any good in this. I don't want to be part of this. Kyle, all your uh, uh, preacher boy talking, everything's going to be fine, and God has a plan. I don't buy. Okay, that's okay. But just get up and do something. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over. I know that sounds a little insensitive, but you got to get up. you got to move. For example, start with any little thing. Find any little thing to be thankful for. You still breathing? Thank you, Jesus. Got a place to live? Yeah, but my, my house, blah, blah, blah. You got a roof over your head? Thank you, Jesus. You have food? You have a friend? I mean, you got to start somewhere because it's so overwhelming because you're in the middle of something. A, B, get up and help someone else. I bet you there's somebody around you who is struggling and their life is not going great. You will find a great resource when you reach out and help somebody else. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggle, you will find a way to be thankful and grateful when you invest in somebody else who's going through something. I know that's a little simplistic, but man, I see it all the time. I remember when I used to drive to a youth group. Again, being a youth pastor was a great job. But some weeks I'd be driving a high school youth group on Wednesday night. And I would think, I don't want to be there. I would anticipate he's going to be there. And I'd think, ah, those pot smokers are going to be there. Jordan and Graham and Cody and those guys are going to be there. Um, they, don't, they don't smoke pot during, but they smoke pot before and after. And, um, I, oh, man, if Kevin Cameron's there, he's going to dominate the whole thing. And my staff, I just had three of them call, and they're like, hey, I can't be there tonight. You don't really need me anyway. And I'm like, I, and it's just like, I don't want to be there. And everything, it took me a, a few years. Every time I would think, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be there. I would turn it into, I'm going to find three kids and make them feel better about themselves than before they arrived. It changes everything. Instead of what's the lesson like, what's the band like, what are the games we're going to play. It changes everything when I zero in on, on Three kids. Changes your outlook. When you're in the midst of something, again, we're here to help you. We'll walk with you. But when you're in the midst of something, when you turn your attention to helping someone else, your problems diminish just a little bit, and then you have something to be grateful for in the process. Here's one quick one. One other thing. Do something you're good at. you got to have something in life when you're going through a struggle where you can say, hey, look, look what I did. Listen, I'm not a, 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 a woodworker of any kind, but anytime I go out to my garage and I make something, even, it's so archaic. It just, it, it, my wife is like, oh, good, honey. She's just been like a little five-year-old boy. <laughs> look, look, you made a box um, all by myself. Whenever I do something and I complete a task or something's broke and I get on YouTube and it tells me how to, and I fix it, I'm like, look at me. 
because my job has nothing like that. Guess what? When I get done with this sermon, I'm thinking about next Sunday's sermon on the way home. All right? My job is to help people become more and more like Jesus. Tell me when that job ends. Y'all aren't doing a very good job. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, you're never. It's a, it's a journey. A ministry, being a pastor, it's a continuum. There's no harvest for me. Right? I mean, you, you don't see the outcome. It, it just keeps going and going and going. And I'm not whining because I love my job and I love what I do. So to go do one little thing where I can feel, hey, look what I did. Color in something. Next step. You got to express your struggle to someone you trust. Just one person. You want to write that on a blue card? Sarah Barnes, the connection team, they're all people you can trust. They'll talk to you. You want to have coffee? I'll meet with you. Yeah, listen, if you're going through something and you think it's just going to get better on its own, you're in a marriage struggle and you think, "Uh, if we just do this and that, it'll get better. Probably not. You probably need to stop and get some help. But at least it starts with saying, I'm struggling. This is my issue. I need you to know. And finally, Invite Jesus to make you whole. Maybe some of you have bumped into church, have bumped into Christianity, have heard stuff about Jesus. You're sitting in Chelan or in Brewster online. But you've never got to the point where you said, wait a minute. Maybe there's more to this Jesus thing than just feeling good about myself coming to church. There's more to this Jesus thing than just being nice. Good things to be that maybe the stuff that you've got from Jesus or hanging around church or hanging around Christianity, maybe you've actually bumped into some positive things. But listen, I don't want you to miss the fact that Jesus can make your soul whole. Life can be a mess in the world we live in. Your life may be a mess right now, but you've got to deal with your soul. Your soul's going to go on forever. I know it seems weird. Jesus can make you, makes life better and makes you better at life in this life and the one to come. So if you haven't stopped and made a decision like, wait a minute, why isn't my soul whole? Because sin messes with us. Jesus comes along and says, I got a solution to your soul problem. And he offers his own life as the payment for your soul condition. And I would invite you to make Jesus your sole provider and the answer to today and tomorrow and the rest of your life. In the midst of that, you can be grateful. When you're in the midst of pain, you can be grateful. Jesus is your rescuer. Jesus is your savior. Jesus is the answer to every need. That doesn't mean you'll be without pain and without problem. But you'll have a hope, which is a certain trust in the future, because the same God is with you now will be there also. And turn the service back over to you, Billy and Brewster. Let's pray together. God, thanks. Thanks for offering us something as a permanent answer for the present and the future. Thank God that we can look back on what we've done in the past, and we're grateful. But God, we need an answer today. 
We need an answer to, to our sin condition. We need an answer to our soul problem. And we thank you that you offer Jesus as that answer. So I pray, God, that all of us find hope in that, that we make the decision to follow you because we all need some kind of rescuer because we can't save ourselves. Thanks for your goodness. We're grateful. We're thankful even when we don't understand why we're going through what we're going through or what's going to happen tomorrow. Thank you that you're in charge. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for being here. Have a great, great Sunday. See ya. Love ya. Bye.